So, Kate, how do you typically deal with failure? I think I handle it better now than I did earlier in my career. I think it's a product of both age and experience and, frankly, our coverage on the topic and how much I've, I've read and learned about it. And it's easier for me now, I think, to see failure as a learning opportunity. Now, I think there's, an, there's also an element of how the failure happens that I think impacts the person's reaction. So I'm going to give you two examples, and they're not like giant failures. They're kind of more mistakes, but they, I, they happened in very different ways. So, for instance, really early in my career, I had this really awful boss who yelled and screamed at everyone. And I remember it was like my second day on the job. I turned something in, and it had some typos in it. And she called me in her office, and she screamed at me, and she threatened to fire me. My God, that's an, <laughs> a bit of an overreaction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She she was also known to throw things, like throw pens at people. Oh. Yeah, she was really bad. But it was like at that stage in my career, I would have taken even that small failure hard anyways because I was so you know new and, and kind of insecure. But her reaction made it so that I was so devastated and terrified that I literally questioned, like, my ability to to make it like I was like to I can't make it in this city I can't do this you know it really deeply affected me contrast that to recently um, after a meeting somebody uh, senior to me said I'd like to give you some feedback and it was about how I could have handled something differently in the way that I presented it in that meeting and because I'm much more secure in my abilities now and in my role I didn't take it personally and it didn't make me feel bad about myself and I said and I genuinely meant thank you for telling me that and I learned from it. Yeah, so and it was kind of a, both a product of who I was and where I am in, in myself and also, like, how the feedback happened. What yeah. about you? How do you, like, bounce back when something doesn't go the way you want it to? Yeah, I mean, I can definitely relate because I don't feel like it was that long ago that that was me. And, you know, if someone did that to me, I probably would feel the same thing. And I have to say that it's the same. At different stages of my life, I've reacted differently to failure like when I was younger I took every single one personally because I think I attach a lot of my achievements to my identity and as I've gotten older I feel like I've gotten better at not beating myself up although I would say that some failures still hurt way more than others and I realized that for me the big thing has been to give myself permission to feel you know the bad feeling of failure and not force myself to bounce back right away like we hear all this advice about resilience and how you just need to move on but I feel like that doesn't really work for me. Sometimes you just can't look for the silver lining in the moment when you're experiencing the failure. Oh, yeah, the, that like the instantly learning from it. And I think that's the theory that you should look for lessons and upsides to failure makes sense. And a lot of innovators, you know, do say that failures and our willingness to study what went wrong um, and how we can improve is, is, you know, key. But it's a very emotional thing too, you know, and it's like it's it's unrealistic in real life to expect ourselves to be able to to do that right away when we're experiencing the failure itself. We need, I think, you know, usually some time to process it and accept what what outcome that we didn't want that that happened. And I think that that part of being able to like reflect on what went wrong in order to do that properly, you really need to have some kind of distance from it to be rational. Yeah, distance is so crucial. Like when I think back to some of the most, I guess, epic failures in my life, there was no way I could have been honest with myself about what went wrong because, you know, you just can't really see anything rationally at that stage. It's just everything seems like the end of the world. Um, and sometimes even one failure, I feel like, isn't enough for you to do that. You need to have had the failure happen several times for you to learn something from it. And 
I'm going to give you a really small example that's maybe not a failure. And again, it's more of a mistake and kind of a habit, but I think that it has the same principle. So last year I lost my Metro card like four times and each time I'll just tell myself, I'm going to be more careful. But then the fourth time it happened, I was like, okay, I, you know, this failure or mistake is because I need to change my systems in terms of where I store it. So now I go straight to my wallet, even though it's really inconvenient. Yeah, I'd say if, if losing your Metro card is your biggest failure, you're doing pretty well. But yeah, no, that's, <laughs> that's, that's yeah. I mean, it's like, oh, wait, I'm doing something wrong. Maybe I need to fix things. And you do bring up a good point about about how learning from your failure and kind of developing resilience, which is you know not really the case with a Metro card, but just in general, maybe like how I built resilience to being told I was messing up. You know, it yeah. didn't let it like get to me personally anymore. I think in itself, it's a learning process. Like there was a long time between that boss that yelled at me and the 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 feedback that I got recently. Like that's a long learning process. Yeah, and you can't just shortcut it, right? Mm-hmm. You, just, you just have to go through it. Welcome to Secrets of the Most Productive People, a productivity podcast where we talk about how to work smarter and set up harder and dissect exactly how to get it all done. I'm Fast Company Assistant Editor Anissa Purvisari Horton. And I'm Fast Company Deputy Editor Kate Davis. This week, we're talking about how to train our brain to be more resilient to failure. So I think first we should start off by talking about the somewhat kind of contradictory way that we look at failure in society. So on one hand, we're living in this social media age where everyone feels pressured to curate this like perfect image of their lives. And of course, that means ignoring all of the failures and highlighting all of their achievements. But on the other hand, we're also living in this age where failure is kind of glorified, especially with like the big tech startups and the, and the business community. And I think there's this idea that progress means failing fast and like moving on quickly. Right. And even in the professional world now, I feel like I hear advice like, if you're not failing, then you're not really learning and growing. But I feel like the part that I don't really hear about is what happens in between? What what did they do between when the time the failure happened and the aha moment they had about what they need to do to make it better? Like we hear all these stories of people overcoming setbacks, but we don't really hear honest accounts about their struggles and details about their dark periods. And that's probably because those are not the most inspirational or Instagram worthy content, but it's such an important part of building resilience. Oh yeah, you get the like the success and the like the glorious like rising again from the ashes, but you don't get like the the moping and exactly. the, the, the like, laying in bed for yeah. like no. Yeah, no one week. wants to see that. It's yeah. like montage like quick to to success again and that's what researcher Brene Brown talked about in her book Rising Strong which we've covered in the magazine before she she calls this middle part of the story uh, which is the messy painful part and you know it's the part that you might not be able to operate at 100% because whatever setbacks you experience you know are still feeling kind of really raw and you might succumb to like the unproductive practices that make yourself feel better yeah like comfort eating (laughs) yes or laying on the couch exactly yeah it's like the emotional part that so many of us try to run away from and I get that it's not fun to acknowledge the awful feeling of being fired or disappointing your boss but if we don't confront how it made us feel then we're not really giving our brains any hint on how to deal with it better are we like we're just going to make it worse I don't know about UK but when I don't give myself permission to feel something it's a thousand percent going to be a lot worse yeah exactly and I think that's what Brene Brown was talking about when she said if we deny a difficult experience it owns us yeah and I think that like sitting with that emotion it allows us to move on and kind of help build that resilience 
And in another Fast Company article, a psychology professor said that it was those who focus on the process tend to be more resilient to failure than those who focus on the outcome. For me, that makes total sense because I know that uh, people who are really kind of process-oriented are probably more likely to see the messy part as something that they just kind of have to go through. Okay, so we know what we need to do to stop forcing ourselves to feel happy when things suck. And obviously different types of failures and events affect everyone differently on an emotional level, but I feel like once we've allowed ourselves to process all that emotion, we can start reaping the benefits of insight. And this is kind of where you can start to figure out why the failure occurred, what you can do to prevent it from happening, or at least reduce its chances from occurring in the future. And you might find some of those reasons might be completely beyond your control. But even then, perhaps like going forward, you can introduce some systems or some measures for those types of situations, right? So let's say you bomb a presentation. Maybe it was because the person that you were presenting with was sick that day, and that was the only person that was an expert in the industry that you were pitching to. So it's not your fault that they were sick, but something you can do for the next pitch is you can study up on that industry, know what that person, you know, what they would have covered so that you're not just relying on them. Yeah, and it might sound depressing or pessimistic to be planning for worst-case scenarios, but the way I see it is like having a life jacket under your seat when you're on a boat. Hopefully it won't happen, but it's good to have just in case. Yeah, exactly. It's like being prepared. Yeah, sometimes exactly. being sometimes I think being pessimistic is like a good quality to have mm-hmm. because you do plan more. Yeah, you can be optimistically pessimistic. Optimistically Op- pe- <laughs> pessimistic. Say that three times fast. So I think that's a good place for us to introduce this week's you might want to write this down. This week we're going to examine what you can do to train your brain to be more resilient to failure. So press pause and get a pen ready because you might want to write this down. So how to train your brain to be more resilient to failure. Number one, write out your feelings and thoughts. So while you're processing your emotions, it can be helpful to write it down. This way, you'll learn to identify what triggers those things and experiment with ways to manage them when they do come up. Being resilient to failure isn't about not letting it affect you, but figuring out coping strategies so you can bounce back from it effectively. Number two, challenge yourself on a daily basis. Training yourself to be more resilient to failure is similar to training yourself to be comfortable with discomfort. One of the best ways to do this is to look for small challenges that you can take on so that the stakes for failure are low. The more you do this, the more you'll be able to see failure as just another part of the process as you go through life. And in turn, you'll become more resilient. And number three, build a community. So when things are going wrong, it's easy to feel alone and think that no one is going through what you're going through. But this is probably far from the truth. Chances are there's someone going through exactly what you went through and came out of it on the other side. So talking to those people can help you put things in perspective when you are feeling down. And as one social scientist told Fast Company, it's like building your resilience army, which is always very helpful. (laughs) This episode of Secrets of the Most Productive People is brought to you by Citrix. We talk a lot on this show about how technology has made our working lives more complicated and distracted, which is why Citrix is working hard to make workplace technology seamless. Citrix digital workspaces have one user experience and login across devices and networks, adding a little simplicity into a crazy, complicated world, so you can focus your energy on something bigger. Learn more at citrix.com slash how. And that's a good place for us to introduce our guest for this episode. Lauren Berger is the founder and CEO of InternQueen.com and a career management expert. Her recent book, Get It Together, Ditch the Chaos, Do the Work, and Design Your Success, contains advice and principles on how to transform your career and actually make progress on those lofty goals. One of those principles, which we'll talk about today, is how to learn to cope with failure. 
Well, hi, everybody. Good morning. Hi, good good morning. morning. Thanks for, for making the time. We're talking about a, a topic that I think a lot of people really feel passionately about, failure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so you're an entrepreneur and, you know, based on, based on our experience covering business owners, it seems like failure is a regular part of the entrepreneurial life. Can you tell us some of your experience with failure? Yes, absolutely. So like you said, I've been running my business now, Intern Queen, for the past 10 years. Uh, This year is officially the 10-year mark. And it is constant ups and downs. I mean, the failures are inevitable. They happen all the time. Um, I think it's a mix of failure and rejection. And there's definitely a myth that the more successful you are, the less you get rejected. I think that especially today, entrepreneurship, especially female entrepreneurship, has this facade of, you know, once you're successful and you're this female entrepreneur, you post on your Instagram things like, woo, empower women, and you wear cute high heels and you sit at your desk and you sip your coffee and your life is great. And um, the reality is that running a business is hard. And I don't think it's ever, you know, on the up forever. And uh, it, it's constantly navigating failures and rejection. And I work with a lot of young people and, you know, they tell me, you know, f- entrepreneurship looks so pretty. It looks so cool. It looks so trendy. <laughs> and sure, I, I mean, I'm definitely guilty of posting cute coffee photos as well, but there's a lot more behind the Instagram post. Yeah. So was there one experience that kind of made you realize that failure is an inevitable part of of life and also of the entrepreneurial journey? You know, I learned about failure early on. Actually, before I even started my business, I think I really learned about failure and rejection while I was applying to internships. (laughs) No pun intended with the intern queen nature of my business. But I would apply for these opportunities and I would just constantly get rejected from them. And I learned back in college that when, you know, when you get rejected, you kind of keep pushing and you keep pushing and you take that no and you find that yes. So I think that interview and job application process on the internship side, on the job side is very helpful. Um, But I remember that a few years into running Intern Queen, I would have these really high highs and low lows. You know, I would book myself on the Today Show. That was a win. Then the next day, I would lose a contract. That was a that was a loss. And I couldn't deal with the ups and downs and, and just the extreme feelings that were going on. So I remember saying to myself, probably two or three years in, you have to find a way to be more even keeled here. And, you know, yes, you want to be excited when the good things happen and, and disappointed when the bad things happen. But if you keep going from high to low every day, you're going to make yourself crazy. So how do you do that? How do you train yourself to be more resilient to failure? I think it's a lot of deep breathing, but I think it's kind of learning from experience that, you know, yes, today is a great day and you want to celebrate it, but kind of knowing in your mind that tomorrow might not be such a great day or or later this afternoon might, you know, something not so great might happen and, and that's okay. And just really trying to dig within yourself and find that balance Um, When I get rejected, some rejections, eh, they roll off your shoulder. Who cares, right? And you can just go on with your day. But then some rejections or failures come in for a landing and they really hurt. And with those, 
you know, I experiment with a few different things. One thing that I do is if I'm at my office where I can't have a, a large emotional reaction because I have team members around me, I try to sort of put the rejection or the failure in a box and come back to it a day or two later. We all think that we have to have this instant response to emails and that's not true. Just because someone emails you doesn't mean you have to email them back that moment. So it's avoiding the trigger finger response, putting it aside, taking a day or two, maybe even three days to kind of breathe through it, make it feel not so big, and then responding when I'm in a more clear state of mind. Um, and sometimes if I'm at home and I get a really bad rejection or something that I really am passionate about doesn't work and fails, I just put myself in the shower, as weird as that sounds. I got to shower it off. <laughs> what are some of the common advice about failure that you think hurts people more than helps them? It's, I almost want to say if you failed, you failed. But it's like failure is part of the process. And I will tell you that most of the things that I've done that people call, quote unquote, air quotes, successful, kind of started with some sort of giant failure or rejection. And so I think that failure is part of the process and, and failure doesn't have to be the end. You know, it just means you got to get in there. You got to rejigger your tools a little bit, maybe shift, reformat your ideas. And then you go again. I mean, again, I've experienced a ton of failure and you try to learn from it. You try to ask for feedback from the folks around you. And then you try to kind of take what worked and, and leave and ditch what didn't work. And you try to build that that next thing. Yeah. So we have talked earlier about how, you know, one of the advice we hear commonly is failure is about bouncing back and being resilient from it. Right. But it can often be quite hard in the moment to do that because everything is feels so emotional how do you deal with the emotional aspect before you get to the point of okay I failed what went wrong like what does the mid that middle process look like for you <laughs> sometimes it can be really ugly right um I don't want to lie and say that I'm I'm above failure and don't feel it I mean in my newer book uh get it together I describe what happens a lot, which is me laying on the floor, staring at the popcorn ceiling at home <laughs> and and just feeling like frozen in my anger box <laughs> and feeling like the world is going to end because of whatever that failure or rejection was. And so I think that we all sort of get frozen in our own anger boxes at times, right? But I think the more that you deal with failure, you try to identify the feelings associated with that. And that's different for everybody. For me, it's kind of an icky feeling in my stomach that I get uh, when I'm experiencing failure. But you try to identify those feelings and then say, okay, what has worked for me in the past to get through this? Is it that shower? Is it going for a walk outside? Is it you know, venting to friends who get it. Uh, a piece of advice I give people when they're dealing with failure is vent to the right people. If I get rejected from something at work and I call my mom, she's not listening. She's not listening. She's on to the next thing. <laughs> you know, she's a math teacher in Florida and it, it's different. 
she's not running her own business and putting herself out there every day. So the people that I like to vent to when I'm feeling failure is um, other small business owners that are operating at the same scale as I am and have experienced similar things before. So venting to the right people, not just to anyone who will listen, I think is helpful. I know a lot of people tend to kind of make the rounds, call their friends, but then they just get more irritated because their friends don't necessarily understand. So that's, that's kind of another piece of advice, but it's all about knowing what you need and kind of owning that moment, taking the time to, to kind of let it sink in and then slowly building yourself back up. And it doesn't have to be right away. I also think there's this myth that once you get rejected or once one idea fails or doesn't work out, you have to rebuild right away. And like you said, bounce back right away. You could, you know, you could figure it out a year later. Um, my last book that it came out in November and it took four years for this book to come together. And there were so many times where I thought, this book is just not gonna make it. My other books worked, this one just isn't going to. And it took four years to figure it out, so it wasn't right away. Yeah, I think that the venting to the right person makes a lot of sense, because I think I relate to you in that, like, my mom is really great for some things, but other things she's mm -hmm. like, she doesn't get it, and she's not the right person, <laughs> and she'll maybe sometimes make me feel worse, because she'll be like, right. oh, no, that is bad. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, I don't need to hear that right now. Yeah. You should be worried, yeah. Yeah. Um, what what about and this is you know i can i can relate and fall into this category sometimes and i think a lot of people do the kind of risk averse people who sometimes make their their life decisions or their their work decisions based on avoiding failure like the taking the safe route like what what do you say to those people i am so not a safe route person <laughs> i mean typically the people taking the safe route are probably scared of of rejection or failure and I would tell them to lean into it. It almost, when you say that, it reminds me of my friends that are dating right now and how, you know, they're scared to say the wrong thing because they don't want to scare the guy away. And my advice is lean into it, right? Don't fear <laughs> that rejection, lean into it. I mean, if you're someone that takes the safe route, you're someone that takes the safe route. But if there's something that you're passionate about and it's, you know, it's in the back of your mind and you've always been wanting to try it, I would just encourage them to lean into that because, again, rejection is part of the process. And I have proven to myself and hopefully I can be an example to others that I've been told I get told no every day, every day. And I'm constantly finding ways to take the no and turn it into a yes. And usually when I get a no or when something fails, I use it as a signal to remind myself that I must be on the right path because I'm putting it out there enough that it's not working or someone's saying no to it. So again, I try to reshape, reformat, and just keep going out with my idea in, in new ways or to more people. And I try to find that yes and that opportunity. Yeah, so that kind of reminds me of how we see failure in the media. So these days I feel like it is glorified a little bit, right? Particularly in the world of tech startup and venture capital backed businesses. But there's still a lot of stigma associated with failure in society. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I think that, uh, I mean, I think it's a little bit of what you said before. I think people are just so scared of, of putting themselves out there and, and feeling stupid and feeling rejected and feeling like, they're not worthy. I think that if, if successful people could start opening up more 
about their failures and not just the big failures, like their the everyday failures that happen. I think it would give everybody a lot more confidence because again, when you look at people who are quote unquote successful, you don't hear a lot about what's wrong. Instead, you look at their Instagram page and you see everything that's going right. And it gives this facade that there's a bunch of perfect people out there that are never rejected and don't have to worry about anything. And, and that's not true. Um, I, I think it's important for all of us to kind of dig a little bit deeper and to be really open and honest about the failures that we're experiencing. Again, not just that one big failure of your life, but you know, on, on a daily basis, whether that's personally or professionally. Great, I think, I think that's all the questions that we have. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Oh my God, the venting about the right to the right person is so crucial. Yep, because that's what I, I have gonna... <laughs> I have experienced the downside of venting to the wrong people and it does make you feel really, really bad. Yeah, agree. And like sorry mom if you happen to listen to this. <laughs> but but, some, but sometimes it's it's like when you don't understand like she's right, and like people that work in your industry or have can can relate exactly to that experience because sometimes hearing it and especially if somebody's very emotionally you know attached in your success like hearing about it's like oh no I don't want you to feel that way you know and then it's just like kind of makes you feel worse and then I think sometimes too when you're talking to someone who doesn't really know what you're going through it can sometimes make your problems feel like problem competition it's like oh I have this huge thing and then the other person could be like well I have a thing that's even worse and but it can kind of feel like that when you're not really quite on the same page and then you just kind of both feel worse about it which is just like not productive at all there's sometimes there's like the it's also good sharing when you talk to somebody who gets it like I was talking to a friend of mine who's a mom who was you know saying something that she felt bad about and I was like oh I know I've been there too. I did X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like a competition so much as like a commiserating. And yeah. so it was like, oh, I guess I'm not as big of a failure if like <laughs> other people, you know, <laughs> yeah, made exactly. similar mistakes. Yeah. And that's it for this week's episode of Secrets of the Most Productive People. How do you cope with failure? Are there any practices you swear by to make yourself more resilient to setbacks? Let us know using the hashtag FCMostProductive. Join us in two weeks when we'll be talking about the morning routines of the most successful people. You can find more articles on dealing with failure in the show notes below and our tips on how you can train your brain to be more resilient to failure on the You Might Want to Write This Down segment. You can follow Fast Company on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And don't forget to listen to our other podcast, Creative Conversations.